Hello and welcome to the Hall of Fame video game podcast starring Matt Levy and Mike Staub. We love video games and have embarked on a journey to index the greatest video games of all time into our very own Hall of Fame. Here's the show. And what is up, Mike? How are you two doing? Hey, what's going on, Matt? How you doing? It's I'm ready. Ready and raring to go for a N64 classic. Yeah, it is. I would say it's an N64 classic for sure. I think it's it's one of the better N64 games, probably among the best. And we're, we're, and we're talking about 25 years, Mike. I know. 25 years. A little bit more than 25 years. Because uh, this game, which we're talking about, is Diddy Kong Racing. And I believe it it hit in late November of 97. Yeah. So just a little bit less than 20. Where's our anniversary remaster or sequel to this one? You know, it happened on the DS. We got a re- remaster remake kind of on the DS in like 10 years later. Which for some reason, critically, it's like a 60 on Metacritic. I never played the remaster. I don't know about you, Mike. I did. I did. I liked Diddy Kong Racing so much that I wanted to play it on the DS and it wasn't great. They changed a lot of stuff about it and uh, it was not good. Let's talk about what makes the original Diddy Kong Racing from 1997 by those folks over in Rare that just were killing it on the N64. What do you recall about this game? This game releases like I want to say maybe I don't even think it releases a year after mario kart i feel like mario kart 64 was december of 96 you're correct december of 96 but i think in, in the states mario kart 64 is like early to the early 97 oh, okay like february march of 97 so this game technically releases even if you want to consider even if you want to consider the japanese release this game actually still releases like within a year of Mario Kart 64. So Mario Kart 64 was such a huge deal and it was like a big step up for that franchise and really where that franchise became that franchise. And Diddy Kong Racing came out later that year and kind of ate its lunch. Like Diddy Kong Racing ended up being a better game. It was more expansive. It had a story mode, thank God. Because I love racing games, but having a story mode in a racing game or an adventure mode in a racing game, I find it so comforting that there's something more to do than to just race around all these like tracks. Having having the world and the adventure mode around you was a, was a very fun and interesting way to interact with this game. Because there were secrets. It was like it had a hub world, right? Which were these this island that you're on. And you're driving around this hub world to, you know, save save the island from Whizpig, <laughs> who is this evil pig character. This is rare at its finest. Mike, can we full stop? The character's name is Whizpig, who is literally a wizarding pig. Yep. They didn't try. No, no. They just said, listen. He's a wizard. He's a pig. His name should be Whiz Pig. And everyone just raised their hand and said, let's do it. How British of them. Right? It's, it's, it's right, right. It's so on the nose. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you mentioned the two things that I think separate this game from kart racers. And it is the hub world and is the story mode. And I, I just can't give this game enough credit 
for at its time having what felt like something such a unique experience in a racing game. Yeah, it was so cool to have, have that. And obviously you had all your other multiplayer modes as well. But I think this game sets itself aside as a really good single player racing game. And you have all of these these like little worlds, right? That you would go to these little areas within the hub that would have what like four tracks in them, right? And on this island, which I don't really know what we're dealing with when it comes to the vibe of this island. Cause you've got like dinosaurs and there's like a, there's like a winter place and there's a, a, I think there's a dragon and there's like all this wild stuff. And it does kind of cover all of the areas that you normally would see in like a platformer, but in a racing game, it's, it's really fun and the racing controls are really good and they're tight and they feel really nice on the N64 and like most stuff rare did it felt like it was just built for the console and i played this game like like crazy whether it was trying to beat all the stuff and get all the oh geez what's the what are you collecting in this game you're collecting balloons balloons? yeah you're collecting balloons so it was like get all the balloons so then i can run over the frog and unlock drumstick and then i could beat the game with or do whatever i gotta do with drumstick and then I can get my hands on TikTok, who's like the best character in the game. He's a watch. He's a stopwatch. But I will say what Mario Party, what Mario Kart has that this game lacks is while I think the cast of characters in Diddy Kong Racing is a lot of fun, I think ultimately they're a little boring when compared to Mario and Mario Kart. At the same time, I feel like the items are better in Mario Kart. That's two spots. Like this is almost like more like crash crash team racing with the items. Like you get a lot of missiles and, and pretty generic stuff in this game, but I really like it. Even the characters, even though I do think they're a little, a little dull. I do think that it's nice that we were introduced to conquer banjo in this game, two characters that would go and get, star in their own games a conquer i think i think conquer had a game boy game first and then eventually he would get to conquer's bad fur day and then after microsoft bought rare they remade conquer's bad fur day and i think it was called like conquer live and reloaded which was like an online game but also had the entirety of the original conquer's bad fur day remastered for xbox and banjo would obviously star in three of his own games with his pal kazooie banjo kazooie Banjo-Tooie, and then Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts, and then obviously Smash Brothers. So I think there's a legacy here that we would see for the Nintendo 64 and Diddy Kong Racing, and I think a lot of people still really like this game. I just think that it's been lost to time because of rights and licenses. Yeah, you know, what you're right about, Mike, is these characters would go on to get their own spinoffs, but this game itself is a spinoff. I mean, Diddy Kong had never had his own video game. He was Donkey Kong's companion in Donkey Kong Country. So just alone getting a Diddy Kong game was the start of, it's not like Diddy Kong went on to have 10, 5, or even 2 other games to follow. As far as I can remember, this is Diddy's only, I mean, if you want to count Donkey Kong Country 2 and 3 as Diddy's game, sure. But this is really Diddy Kong's only spin-off game. Yeah, I would count Diddy Kong I would count Donkey Kong Country 2 as his, but his name isn't 
it's not Diddy Kong Country, right? This right. is Diddy Kong Racing. So it's a spinoff. It's a spinoff. It's his game. It's his game. And I think we would have seen more of these had. Yeah. Had the relationship with Nintendo and Rare continued and Microsoft didn't buy them, which I think everyone has agreed has not been great for gaming at large. But no, I mean, let's 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 unpack that for a second. Right. I, I know we're talking about Diddy Kong Racing here, but like what good games, what like games that you really want to discuss have released since Microsoft bought Rare? No, I mean, I think Camillo is an okay game. I think we got Nuts and Bolts. She's is, all right. It's okay. None of these games are anything you would hang your hat on. Perfect Dark on the 360 was, again, all right. Uh, some of these games were passable as okay games. They weren't terrible, but none of them were worth talking about. No, definitely not. And if you go back to what they were doing on the N64, their stuff was so good. And even from Blast Core to... Diddy Kong Racing to Banjo Kazooie to GoldenEye to Perfect Dark. The diversity you know? and creativity. And I wonder, did Nintendo support that? Or was Rare just allowed to just do whatever they wanted? I think it could be both, but I mean, it's speculation either way. We know at Microsoft, they were not allowed to do what they wanted. Obviously, they made uh, they made their pirate game, which is, I, f- I always forget the name of the I game. I think people say that that game has gone on to be a pretty solid game now. But yeah. I think it had a bumpy, kind of boring launch, as some of those games do. Sea of Thieves, right? Sea of Thieves, yes, sir. Sea of Thieves, yeah. You're right. It had a bumpy launch. It's like every game that released like Sea of Thieves did. Matt, we were talking about Avengers. We were talking about, looks like Gotham Knights got hit with a little bit of the it. content, when it's just not there day yeah. one, these games feel kind of empty and barren. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know if it's Rare's fault. Again, they're now part of Microsoft's conglomerate. But this game... I don't know where this falls in Rare's pipeline. Is this in the middle of their relationship with Nintendo? Is this towards the end? I believe you know, GoldenEye yeah. was earlier before this. Yeah. I know Donkey Kong 64 was after this. And Banjo-Kazooie was after this. So this is sort of the middle of, I'd say, their work on N64. Yeah, this is definitely in the middle. Rare was kind of with the N64 from the beginning. Obviously, this comes out less than a year or about a year after the N64 releases. GoldenEye also is coming out that same year. So you have two games like GoldenEye and Diddy Kong Racing, which are both in the top 25 rated N64 games when it comes to review scores on Metacritic releasing in the same year. That's a that's a pretty big that's a pretty big deal. Rare purchase Rare gets purchased by Microsoft in like August of 2002 if I'm remembering things properly. So This is still five years before that purchase will happen and a few years before they make Star Fox Adventures, which is not a great game. So maybe that was foreshadowing where we would see Rare in the future. But also Nintendo willing to sell Rare off, also one of those things, or get bought. I don't know how any of those deals worked. I don't know how it worked, but whatever. I guess Nintendo didn't own Rare or they might have. I don't... There's a lot to it, but this game is excellent and this game really showcases... Nintendo and Rare's relationship and how Rare is able to was able to take things that Nintendo did and actually make improvements on it in certain aspects. Now, I still think Mario 64 is a considerably better game than Banjo-Kazooie, even though I like Banjo-Kazooie quite a bit. I do think that Mario 64 is absolutely still a better game. But there were things that Banjo-Kazooie did better than Mario 64, just like there's a lot of things that Diddy Kong Racing does better than Mario Kart. Yeah, I think that's... I don't think that's... 
a super duper hot take. I think a lot of people agree that it improved upon what each of them did in those situations. What people have said to me, Mike, and maybe you'll like this comparison, this game is sort of like a combination of Mario Kart 64, Wave Race, and Pilot Wings kind of all in one because you have the car, hovercraft, and the airplane. So you kind of feel like you sometimes you're over water, you're flying, sometimes you're on the ground. It has a very unique, which Mario Kart 64, Mario Kart didn't do that till much later to add all those different type of crafts. No, I mean... Yeah, I mean, we'd even talk about that, right? We'd even talk about that at the top of the episode where and we should have, where having the three different vehicle types is is huge. It's I enormous. mean, that is that is that is like making three separate games. And the hovercraft would have been its own game. I mean, look at there's games like Hydra Thunder. You mentioned Wave Race. The airplane airplane flying is very similar to like if Pilot Wings had racing, right? So this includes a lot of stuff. Now, Rare has a history. Uh, uh, of making racing games. I believe they made RC Pro-Am Correct. back on, on the NES. I don't know if they did Stunt Race FX. I don't know off the top of my head. But either way, they do have, they did have some, at least some racing experience under their belt. And I think they were going to make RC Pro-Am 64. That's um, what this game and development started as. So everyone knows Donkey Kong is Nintendo's character. But this is a rare game. They were able to take the Diddy Kong character and make something, but this did not start as a Diddy Kong racing game. They finished, I think, Killer Instinct 2. And this was their next game they developed. And they kind of were going with an RC Pro-Am. And then Nintendo heard they were going to go with a Diddy Kong racing game. Like, great. Has nothing to do with Donkey Kong or our characters. Go have fun. And to Rare's credit, they made spinoff characters like Conker and Banjo that became their own IPs. Yeah. And that's cool. And it's also cool that I guess I don't know how Diddy Kong works in the whole rights umbrella because it's it's a little odd. It's like Rare created Diddy Kong um, for all we for 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 real. Like I've met the creator of Diddy Kong. He was at Magfest. He he was I, I saw him sing play that funky music. It was it was a, a very interesting evening. He was he was he was good. It was just funny. But I guess Nintendo, since it was Kong, it's all associated with the Kong folks because all those characters, all the the Kong characters from the Donkey Kong Country games are under the Int- Nintendo umbrella, like Funky and Candy and Donkey Kong and Diddy Kong and Cranky and Wrinkly and all the rest of them. But this game really was really ambitious. I mean, first of all, you got 20 stages, which is pretty good for a racing game. I think that's that's great. And they really... They they're they're all different, and some of my favorite uh, stages in this game are when you have to race a boss. It has boss fights, and racing games don't almost never have boss fights. So you have these boss fights where you have to race against like a dragon or a dinosaur or like a seal. Very rare. It's very very rare with googly eyes and all that stuff. But you get these these items and these weapons, and you you shoot them. And at these at these bosses and and it really adds to kind of like the story of the game. It it gives you more of a rush where you're just not racing against a bunch of other cars or planes or hovercrafts. And I mean, looking at these giant models of these monster characters is it's just really cool. Yeah, I know other games like F Zero. I think I don't know if the N sixty four one did it. I know GameCube did. Would go on to have boss races where you're one on one. Yeah. But this is definitely one of the first and earliest memories I have of like these boss races. 
No, definitely. And they were they were just such a cool ribbon on each on each zone that you would go to, right? On each yeah. area. So yeah. and and they matched what the area was, right? When if you're in the dinosaur area, it's uh, you fight a dinosaur. But I'm trying to remember with this game, when you're on the island, is that the island that the tiger kid is from? Yeah, so it's Timber, Timber's Island, which is Timber That's the it. Tiger. Timber the Tiger. It's his island and he's got all his friends involved. Does Diddy recruits Conquer and Banjo and then Crunch the Kremlin kind of trolls his way along because he's very anti-Diddy, so he kind of follows along. But you got like you said, it's it's an interesting group of characters, but they are a little some of them are very bland animal characteristics. Yeah, I mean they're all kind of generic animal characters, right? Whether it's Tip Top the Turtle, Pipsy the Mouse. Banjo Bumper. and Conquer aren't the fully fleshed versions of the characters that we get. No, Conquer is, first of all, there's no Kazooie. So Banjo right. doesn't have that aspect. He's just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And right? Conquer is um, not drinking at all. He's fully sober here. Yeah, we don't have <laughs> the nasty, foul-mouthed, drunk Cockney squirrel out of Conquer. I remember being a kid and Conquer's Bed Fur Day coming out and watching commercials and and learning about Conquer's Bed Fur Day and going like, where did that come from? Because yeah. he goes from like being like this sweet little raccoon. It's a Game uh, Boy game. Like I think it was yeah. on Game Boy Color. If you're like, if you're right, I'm not sure. Conquer's Pocket Tales. I want to say. Yeah, I think that's it. It's a cutesy little game. Or this game where he's just like, just soft spoken, nice little squirrel. And then you play Conquer's Bed Fur Day, and he's just like foul mouth, hard drinking. Yeah, he talks like a sailor. You yeah, know, and he's constantly drunk, and he's causing havoc everywhere he goes. Yeah. It's it's yeah, it's great, but it's fun in retrospect now to play this game and see Conquer and Banjo before they were anything. Yeah, it is a bit of a history lesson. It's it, like it's, going to see really a movie. Cool. It's going to see like a you go to watch a Jim Carrey movie before he's really Jim Carrey. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you watch like his old like film where he turns into a vampire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the movie's Once Bitten, I think it's called. It's kind of like watching an actor before they are who they go on to be. That's kind of like here. We're getting to see these characters before they are their own identity yo absolutely and it is funny to see where they would go from there yeah so i don't want to leave out mike but when we're going around the island before you enter a world you're aided by this indian elephant this genie like character taj and i don't want to leave him out because i feel like he's kind of like he's a big part of this game and the story i don't know if you remember taj yeah, he's like the guardian, right? He's like the guardian of the island and he helps you out and shows you where to go. And I think you can race Taj as well at some point. And he's he's fun. He's just this big elephant on a magic carpet. Yep. Yeah, no, it was definitely an interesting character. Like most racing games, you can unlock an inverted bunch of levels. So if you beat a couple of things, you can unlock all the games first. They flip from left to right. And you do unlock some battle modes, which some of them are pretty cool. I don't know. I, I didn't play much of battle mode as a kid, but they had deathmatch maps. Yep. They had yep. capture the flag style battles and even your capture eggs. So they had a lot of diversity to the modes beyond just the story, which I played mostly the story. Me and my friends would like take turns playing through the story. Yeah, that's what I did. I did mostly the story, but I did play the battle mode. We actually probably played this game as much as we played Mario Kart. Uh, we would kind of swap off. I know I personally played this game a lot more than I played Mario Kart because of the adventure mode. Uh, and also I wanted to unlock TikTok. I wanted to unlock him. It took forever. You'd have to like get all the time trials and it was a giant pain in the neck, but it was fun once you did. He's really good. I love games where lockables have sort of become like a thing of the past. I feel like 
getting things that you need. Because I don't know why they feel they need to give you everything all at once. But I do miss the time where you had to unlock characters and unlock game modes. And But I don't know. I guess they want to market it as, as something to sell you in the beginning. Or, DL, or well, it's now paid, paid DLC now. Well, now it's, yeah, now you just got to pay for it. It's the right. hardest. It's the hardest cheat code of all of the money. Money. So we don't get unlockables as much as we used to, which is a shame because unlockables are a lot of fun. Though I will say, going and playing like Smash Brothers Ultimate, and you get the game on opening day, and you want to play it, and then it's like you only have eight characters. Now, someone like me, I'm like, cool, that's fine with me. I'll, I, I'm totally fine spending a weekend unlocking everyone. But there are people who are like, I got people coming over tonight. Totally. No, so. I I get it. But this game was still those times, Mike, where you had to you had to get through it to to get all the characters. If you want to tell your friends, hey, I got I got the watch. I mean, getting the getting TT is TT. was really tough. Drumstick, not so much, but he wasn't very good. I didn't like that that racer. I think it was After, the badger as well. There were a bunch you had to unlock. I oh think. yeah, Bumper the Badger. Is that yep. his name? Bumper, Bumper the yeah, Bumper the Badger. Yeah, there was a there's a lot of yeah, there's just a lot of a lot of goofy kind of British style yep. characters with their googly eyes and their funky, bumpsy little Harry Potter style names. And uh, it's 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 a great it's a great time. It is. This game went on to sell almost five million, four point eight million copies. It is, as you said, an eighty-eight on Metacritic, which is very respectable. And it's the eighth best-selling N64 game. So before we finish, I did want to just skip quickly to a trivia question that we can jump back into the conversation. Mike, what if this is the eighth best-selling N64 game, can you name at least five of the games that outsold Diddy Kong Racing? Yeah. Okay, here we go. I'm Super Mario 64. Yep, that's number one. So Ocarina of Time didn't? Oh, I'm outsell. sorry. I didn't hear that. Eric, Ocarina of oh. Time is number four. Okay, cool. So we got Mario 64, right? Mm-hmm. Mario Kart. That's 64? number two. So you got number numbers two. one, two, and four, three for three. Three for three. I need to get two more. Goldeneye? Goldeneye was number three. So you now have the first four. I want to say Smash Brothers, but I don't think Smash Brothers did it. But it did. Uh, let's go Smash. The, that was the fifth. So you <sighs> just got the first five, which is very impressive because it's closer than you think. Yeah, I bet. It's very close. So the fifth so game good. was Smash Brothers with five and a half million. <laughs> After that was Pokemon Stadium at 5.4 million. I wouldn't have said Pokemon Stadium. No, so it good. doesn't come to mind. But that was the first time we saw in the States anything three-dimensional out of Pokemon. So that was pretty cool. Well, yeah, Pokemon Stadium was like, hey, you can almost kind of play Pokemon <laughs> on your N64. But at the same time, you could because then you could play the Super Game Boy version. So Right. So that was number six. Number seven, which surprised me, was Donkey Kong 64 at 5.3 million. Wow. And as you and my, me have both said, this game, I think because it was late in the in the life cycle, it sold well, but not, I don't think, the greatest game on the system. I would This wouldn't make my top tw- 10 or 20 as far as quality on the system, no. but some people love it. And then Diddy Kong was number eight. That's great. Uh, finishing out the top 10 is Star Fox 64 at number nine. That makes sense. And Banjo-Kazooie. As number 10. So Rare had one, two, three, four games on the top best selling. 40%. 40% of that top 10. Now, I think Donkey Kong 64 sold so well because it came with the expansion pack. 
The expansion pack was a huge deal. I think so. They, they, it was the kind of that promise. It's kind of when Nintendo started being like, here's our small upgrade to our system that we didn't put in, like Wii Motion Plus or any, you can name every, Game Boy did it how many times? Game Boy Advance. Oh, DS yeah. had the DS Lite. They were yeah. all like, got their upgrades. And you know what? I don't even know if it did anything. The expansion pack. I don't know how much it actually did, but I knew there were games that were locked behind it. So I got one with Donkey Kong 64. Well, the interesting thing about this game, I think the reason it sold so well, I don't know if you remember at the time, but Diddy Kong Racing was marketed everywhere. This was one of their biggest advertising budgets and marketing budgets. And they didn't really have anything for that Christmas. I think Banjo-Kazoo was supposed to come out, but it got delayed and this game was more ready to release and Nintendo pushed, I think they said they put $200 million or a majority of it into marketing this game. That's why everyone bought this game. If you were a kid, you saw Diddy Kong Racing. And this, like you said, it was about a year or so after Mario Kart. Yeah. This was the holiday game. Yeah, it's 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 hard to realize what games released in in a year. What would be the holiday game? Because like when we were kids, we probably got a stack of a short stack of games when we, for for the holidays. Yeah. So like in 97, it's like I don't think of GoldenEye as not the big game of the year, but it is, right? It, I mean, it it isn't. Right? It isn't. I got it for Christmas, but it it's it was it no, that game GoldenEye released way and earlier. Star Fox came out earlier in the year. Yeah, same thing with Mario Kart. The Christmas games that year were Diddy Kong Racing, Bomberman 64, and Mischief Makers. So Bomberman 64 Mischief Makers were fine games, but they were not Diddy Kong Racing. No, nah, Diddy Kong Racing is definitely the big one that fall. Bomberman 64, fun game, not a bad game, but it's never going to draw people like uh, Diddy Kong Racing would. Mischief Makers, I like it. I like Treasure. I like Treasure a lot. I think Treasure makes great games. I think Dynamite Heady and Gunstar Heroes are two of the best Sega Genesis games, but that is a niche <laughs> of a niche like treasure treasure has its fans it's got its people and mischief makers was never going to crush on the n64 it's also a 2d platformer which doesn't always work on the n64 yeah no definitely you're you're right about that so niche games just won't sell like a racing game would and this this was a big deal so diddy kong racing went down as we said the eighth best selling top 20 metacritic it's beloved and people look back on it, as you said, as probably the premier racing game, premier kart racer on the N64 and probably one of the premier kart racing games of all time. It's it is, it is very good. And it's one of the best N64 games, in my opinion. It's one of my favorites. It's one of the N64 games I've spent the most time with as terms of in terms of kart racers. It is among the best i actually think i like it better than obviously i said i like it better than mario kart 64 i don't like it better than like mario kart 8 or double dash but i definitely like it better than the crash games even though the crash games are very good and i like it better than the the sega whatever the sega games are the sonic all-star racing because it makes no sense to have sonic the hedgehog drive a car they should all race by foot wouldn't that be make a lot more sense i mean they made a game like that but nobody played it there's a bunch of mobile ones where they they run around and race. But yeah, this game will be long remembered, at least by people like you and me. Unfortunately, the franchise and the series itself is, like you said, in right hell because Nintendo kind of owns the characters. Mark, Microsoft really owns Rare. So they probably will never be another racing game like this. But 
it's it's important for you and me to remember it because kids will probably never remember Diddy Kong Racing. They probably won't, and we're probably never going to see it again. So if you got the cart or some way to play it, good for you because this game is going to be lost in licensing jail and licensing hell forever. The closest we got to a follow-up to Diddy Kong Racing was on the GameCube. There was supposed to be, and it was on the back of the GameCube box, a game that was in development, Donkey Kong Racing. There was supposed to be a game called Donkey Kong Racing on the GameCube, and it never happened. To be fair, if I was Nintendo, why would I make a game that would compete with my top-selling game? It doesn't make sense. Yeah, I don't think there's necessarily room for two racers made by the same developer. Yeah, no, it's 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 not worth it. You're competing with yourself, like you said. Like they don't even make F Zero or Wave Race anymore, let alone a Donkey Kong racing game. Even though I do think that Nintendo should make a, a version of Mario Kart or a kart racer that includes all of their characters. Yeah. I think something like that would be very cool, but you're not gonna compete with Mario Kart. Mario Kart won't even compete with itself anymore. Okay. They haven't released a new Mario Kart in 10 years no no that's where like we've said they probably will not make another mario kart because the game still sells 10 million copies a year it outsells some of the best games that come out that year it outsells it's our fault yeah it's our fault that it happens it's our fault that we don't get mario kart 9 i only bought the game once i mean on the switch but yeah i bought it on the wii u but it's not i didn't buy it 50 million other times (laughs) you bought it twice on the switch oh no 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 oh actually technically yes so okay yeah, well, I bought it. Problem, <laughs> I bought it when it came out, and then I bought one for my wife when she got her Switch. I was like, "You got to have Mario Kart. You have to. It's essential." That's why I'm surprised it hasn't sold 75 million copies. Yeah, I know. I haven't. I'm surprised it's not a one-to-one attach rate at this point. Yeah. So, any last words? I think I've said everything. Any last words on our friends Diddy and Conquer and Banjo and all the rest of the gang? No, it's great. It's a great time, and I will have the theme song stuck in my head for the rest of the evening. So yeah, the music is very catchy. No, it's awesome. So that's Diddy Kong Racing 1997 by Rare on the N64. Mike, what have you been playing? Nothing. I've given up video games. Not true. So for the last last few weeks, you folks have been hearing me talk about obviously Marvel Snap, which I think is just going to be an everyday game for me. Tactics Ogre. Till the end Ogre, of time. Till the end of time. I haven't put a lot of money into it though, so that's nice. Tactics Ogre, which I still love. I think and I adore this game. I think this game is terrific. But I I braved the internet and I braved the storm and the hurricane, and I purchased Pokemon Scarlet. And I want to say this much. I will parrot what most of the people on the internet are saying. Pokemon Scarlet, from a gameplay standpoint, is probably the most original thing outside of Arceus that the Pokemon company has done with Pokemon in a very, very, very long time. It legitimately feels like a new beginning to the franchise. It feels like they're finally taking some steps bring this game from a gameplay standpoint into whatever new millennium we're in. I think I still like Arceus's systems better. I think Arceus introduced this kind of freewheeling catch system, which I think Pokemon Scarlet and Violet should have used. It is really great, and it just makes catching Pokemon so much fun. But Pokemon Scarlet, I actually think, from a gameplay standpoint, is a very interesting 
game that hopefully will continue to push the brand forward in the future and kind of give it it has the open world vibes people have wanted out of Pokemon for years. You could do the gyms in any order you want. There's a bunch of side quests that you could go on to find things, find special Pokemon, find legends. There is a lot of Arceus baked into this game. How do you like the art style and the new Pokemon for this generation? Uh, I mean, I haven't seen too many of them. I have the starter. I like them. I have a couple of the other new Pokemon. I like them. I, I think the art style is is good. It is a little Pokemon Go-ish. Which Pokemon starter did you choose? Oh, I Fui Coco, baby. I want that. Give me that. Give me that. Give me that gator. Or is he a crocodile? I don't care. I, I want the crocodile. The nose, you usually tell the difference. Yeah, I don't, know. <laughs> I don't remember how to though. I don't remember if one of them has a square nose and one of them has a pointed nose. What? Either way, I took I took Fococo the uh, the crocodile, and I love I love it. I love that 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 guy. I do have to tell you this much: the technical problems are super apparent. Now, when you first see the internet talk about technical problems, most of the time they're full of it. Most of the time, they're creating problems where problems don't exist. They're making a bigger problem. They want to trash the Switch because it's it's the most popular thing on the planet. So they might as well take a stab at it like Nintendo cares at all because they'll just sell another 30 million of them. But no, the technical problems with this game are glaring. But I do want to correct people. And I'm not trying to do this from... I'm not trying to be a jerk. But for anyone out there who's saying that this is proof we need a new Switch, no. This is not proof that we need a new Switch. A new Switch, I, I could give you plenty of other reasons why we would need a new Switch. The Switch isn't the problem with Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. And I could tell you why. Because if I go and play Xenoblade Chronicles 3, or I play Nier Automata, or I play Breath of the Wild, or I play even Bayonetta 3 to a degree, those games have very few technical issues, especially when we talk about Nier and we talk about Xenoblade. Those games have almost no technical problems. They have a little bit of things here and there that they do to cheat around the system not being that powerful, but Xenoblade Chronicles is an open world game that looks incredible and runs very, very well on Switch, handheld and docked. Pokemon Scarlet, yes, the the assets are bad. Like they they don't look great. A lot of the assets in the game are are bad. The frame rate drops are horrific. The memory leak issues are stupid. And I say stupid because it's stupid. They should have fixed this stuff. So Mike, can they and will they fix this in part two to that? Then should a person wait three months or six months and see if this game maybe is a more fully fleshed and better polished product? I think they will fix the problems because Nintendo has rumor. It's rumor has it. Nintendo is giving refunds. And Nintendo never does that, ever. So if Nintendo is truthfully giving refunds out there, now obviously this is in the internet scape and the internet space, so we have no idea. I have no idea whether or not they're being honest here. I have no, I have no idea whether or not this is true. But if Nintendo, in the event that Nintendo is giving refunds for their biggest game of the year, essentially, even though, yes, I know, Game Freak is the company that develops. Pokemon and Nintendo publishes it. It's like it's still their big holiday release for the Switch. Bayonetta 3 is awesome, but it's not going to carry the year. Pokemon will sell 30 million copies. And honestly, Pokemon Scarlet is selling like crazy. That's like the best selling 
physical Pokemon game ever. Between like Pokemon's breaking records within its own franchise, as is God of War right now, it's wild to how how many people are buying these games. Um, I do think it will get fixed by Game Freak to a degree. Uh, I think the assets you can't fix. You need to essentially recreate them. Um, they are ugly. Like the waterfalls are ugly. The character models look great. The Pokemon look awesome. But the trees and the grass and the mountains and a lot of that stuff looks kind of eh. They don't look great. The The world does feel a little empty sometimes. But I don't play Pokemon to look at really nice looking trees. No. And I think most people shouldn't be looking at the trees. And I'm sure, yes, you want to have the aesthetics and a nice art style and all that. So Mike, I waited six months to play Pokemon Sword and Shield. And at that point, the first DLC was DLC was out. Yeah. Gave you a lot of additional Pokemon from the older generations, gave you another whole area to explore. And people said the game was better at that point. And I had a really good experience. I'm considering, is that the best way for me to play approach this game as well? Do I wait till beginning of next year or springtime? And maybe there'll be some more content and it will be a better polished experience. It might be. If you're looking to wait, I mean, there's already too many games to play, so it's, you're not going to really hurt yourself not playing the new Pokemon game. We're also not 10-year-olds or 12-year-olds, right? So it's a little different for us. And I bet a lot of kids are overlooking with visual issues. When you say they're giving refunds, if it's even 1% of people buying this game, I'd be surprised. Yeah, it's probably a very, very small percentage, but the fact that they're doing it real means that they're acknowledging that there's an issue. If they're doing it, obviously, we have to. I have to figure out whether or not that's true or not. But I, I think that I think that they will fix what they can so that maybe the memory leak doesn't happen and maybe maybe the frame rates are better. I don't think we're getting it to look much better, but I do think that they may fix some of those other issues. But otherwise, my time with Pokemon Scarlet has been a lot of fun. So it's ultimately kind of upsetting. It's it's a real double-edged sword because I agree with the people who are complaining that the game looks looks bad and runs poorly. But at the same time, I look at the game and I play it and I'm like, this is the most fun I've had with a new Pokemon it's, game in a while. It's so frustrating. It sounds like it's not quite game breaking. It's still quote unquote playable. Yeah. But I heard it It takes away from what should be. A, a, it's a noticeable distraction a lot of the time. Absolutely. Now, I, I actually think I still like Arceus better. I think if they took Arceus, if they made a Pokemon Legends game that had the open contiguous world that Pokemon Scarlet was in, I think it would be an absolute home run of a game. I thought Arceus was very, very revolutionary in what it did, and it's going to be in my top games of 2022. I got that game that, that weekend it came out, and there was a blizzard, and I played it the entire weekend, and it was I was so surprised with how much I liked Arceus. Pokemon Scarlet's great. But it's not going to be on the top five games of the year. It's got some issues and it needed to kind of learn from itself a little bit. But I am having a lot of fun. So it's it's tough in the end. No, that's it's it's cool that you are still enjoying it. And the game is as good as I've heard. That is exciting. Yeah, no, it's it's a good time. Last but not least, I am playing a game called uh, Pentiment, which IGN gave a 10. It is a it is a that's the obsidian game correct yeah it's by obsidian kind of came out of nowhere on xbox game pass and it's a game where you play as a monk in like a medieval renaissance town i believe you're probably just like you're translating the bible or whatever and and it looks like old like religious paintings and it's an adventure game it's like a like a monkey island game where you're solving a murder mystery and it's really cool and i like all of that stuff so that's it's a lot of games right now but yeah it's that time of year where there are a lot of games to play and more coming out. And Mike still needs to make time for Sonic Frontiers as well. 
Yeah, if I really, really want to punish myself. <laughs> no, that's awesome, Mike. That sounds like a good bunch of games you're cracking at right now. I, so there's two things that I want to talk about. One, I ever so briefly installed on my computer Doom Eternal because I got this awesome widescreen monitor. I got a high-end PC, and I heard this game is just adrenaline. It's beautiful, and it runs gorge. It runs great. So I played about 15, 20 minutes of it just to get that feel, that intensity. And I'm definitely going to make more time to play it. But the game is definitely, it took all the things from Doom 2016. And I thought, ah, oh, it's going to be more of the same. It's actually not. They, It's definitely on steroids. I mean, this thing is the weapon upgrades. Just the way they the tutorial, the way they introduced the, the first levels of the game. It's just really well done. They just, it's brilliant how well they construct the enemies the characters, the, the, the it just runs beautifully on a PC. I'm sure it's just as good if you have a next gen or what we call now the current gen consoles. But Doom Eternal's every good as people said it is. Oh, Doom Eternal rules! That game is so much fun, and like weight is such an important part in a video game, and the 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 weight and the heft yes. of your lead character of the Doom guy, who I will always call the Doom guy. Yeah, I know it's Doom Slayer now, but he's Doom guy to me. Damn it. No, it's great. Um, Whether you're chainsawing or switching between different weapons, doing the upgrades, and you can kind of like shape the way you play it because yeah. you get different upgrades to choose. It's cool. You punch stuff. You punch stuff. And the villains, the enemies look as cool as ever. It's just hell wide open. I love it. Yeah, no, uh, that's awesome. But the game that I've mostly been playing is still continuing my journey of Earthbound. I'm, I'm understanding so much. <laughs> about this series that like I feel like I should have known because it's part of it's part of video game history and Saturn's alone. I know I texted you, Mike. I'm like, I yeah. finally understand what Mr. Saturn, who these these people are. You know, I, I love that. And uh, Earthbound, Earthbound's a game, man, that took me by surprise. I, I was like, yeah, I guess I'll like it. Everyone likes it, I guess. I don't know. It it's was got one of those... so much character. I know. It's got so oh, much, no. just the dialogue, which I'm not usually a person that likes to talk to every person in a town. I usually want to find wherever I need to go quickly. But this game, I talked to the Saturns and there's this like giant weird font when you talk to each Saturn. And that's like a small thing that they do in this game. It just makes the game feel, has more personality. It absolutely does. And it's such an interesting, it's an interesting setting for an RPG. Yeah. We almost never see it. No. Like no. 50s Americana. It's it's like, it's very unique. It's like the Goonies. It totally is. The most interesting gameplay mechanic, which I you'll will know better than me being an RPG fanatic, that when I get hit, my characters get hit, if I could quickly enough heal them while their yeah. health is going down, you could actually save someone in your party and I I can't remember a game ever doing that. I'm, I'm sure it has been done, but I can't. From from my knowledge, no. From it's, my knowledge, no. It's actually very forgiving because there are some boss fights in that game that are very tough. Now, you're going to want to... Have you gotten the Sword of Kings yet? I have not. My character is like in the high 20s. I'm like level like 28 or so. And it's cool now learning that Jeff, when you get his IQ high enough, you have broken stuff, you take it to so you sleep, you rest, he upgrades the weapons. Like there's a lot of cool things that... I can't remember happening in most most other RPGs. No, it's it's really cool. It's very much it's just such a weird interesting thing and I'm I'm kind of happy there aren't a lot of games like it. Yeah, um, because it's special. I've heard Undertale. I know you've talked about that being like an homage to. Yeah, Undertale kind of. I think I think Earthbound 
is or mother two is just so much more straightforward with what it's trying to do but also at the same time i will give you this this do you have uh poo in your party yet not yet okay i've heard he's i think the fourth and final party member correct he's the fourth and final party member and he he has one weapon (laughs) and it's called the sword of kings and to get it it's a nightmare but i can give you a breakdown on how to get it i think you were telling me last time i was playing this you're like this is a missable item or you said it yeah, so it drops like one out of every fifty battles with a oh, certain man. boss. But there's a way in Earthbound, as you know, that if your strength is already high enough, you can kill the enemy without even fighting the battle. Which is also a really cool RPG mechanic. And Ness has a has a bat called the Casey's bat that puts his attack to such a high level, but it misses all the time if you use it in combat. But it moves his attack stat to such a high level that he pretty much wipes everything out without having to fight it what is it called if you don't have a bat what is that called like bart simpson has it what are they called slingshot Uh, yes i don't like this is it the slingshot or is it the yo-yo whatever it is the accuracy is so low and i i do not like video games or mmos where you miss a lot i don't like just standing there and missing back and forth enemy missed me i miss them it's just such a frustrating mechanic so i just stick with the bat yeah i get it i totally get it but I'm going to tell you when you get to the point you have to get to get that that sword just okay shoot okay. me a text I'll tell you what to do sounds good Mike so that's what I've been playing we are a turkey season right now we just passed Thanksgiving so hope you all had a nice Thanksgiving I hope you did too Mike I did <laughs> as if we talked to ourselves in the past <laughs> or the future I don't know I can't I can't do time Mike thank you for joining us here as always where can people out there find you Sure. You can find me here on the Hall of Fame video game podcast. Thank you, Matt. Once again, something I'm thankful for doing this podcast every week. I can also find me on my other podcast, Batman, the Batman Tasticast. If you search for us on the internet, it's an episode by episode ride along guide to Batman, the animated series. At this point, we probably have like 12 or 13 episodes out, but we plan to cover the entire series and then more and then some. So for those of you who are fans of other Batman stuff, just let us just keep an eye out or an ear out. You can also find me with my band, Bad Mary. Search us out at Bad Mary Band or BadMary.com. And last but not least, you can find me with Long Island Retro Gaming, where I host the Long Island Retro Gaming podcast, which airs usually once per month. So I got a couple of those out too. So, so as we over. know, Mike is still the busiest man on the planet, but we do thank him each week for joining us here on the Hall of Fame pod. Matt, thank you again. So... As always, uh, do check our back catalog. We have 101 previous episodes in the can and many more to come. Uh, We got the holiday season, some great content for you guys. Enjoy this time of year. It's always a lot of fun and there's always a lot of video games to be purchased and bought cheaply. That is true. Um, Lots of nice sales. I don't like it. (laughs) It's, It's bad on all of our bank accounts and wallets. It's so bad because there's a lot of these games that I buy on sale right now that I might buy if they weren't, but they're they're what we call fringe or like, like questionable purchases. You're like, you know what? If I get a little bit of play or what if I do like it, it's worth that gamble, but I probably better off just saving that five or 10 bucks each game. I'll tell you this much. I did buy. No, you're right. Um, you're 100% right, but I want to tell you this much too. I had so many, you have to have an absurd amount of Nintendo gold points. How do you, how do you even pay for, do you get like every fifth game free? That's one of the reasons why I go all digital (laughs) 
because I get so many free games, but oh, it's, no. it's also one of those things that they make me spend more because I'm like, yeah, oh, course. well, I have $4 in gold coins, but this game's eight bucks, so I might as well just get it. If you do have physical, though, you can still get the gold points, but... You have to manually type it in and cash. No, it. no, 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 no. You just there's a little section on it. If you hit uh, the if you hit the I think the X button, it says get Nintendo Rewards Program. So I do that when I get buy physical games. But uh, I got Sayonara Wild Hearts Ooh. for free. So thank you. I'll play that at some point. Yeah, uh, I'll, keep, I'll, I'll keep badgering you about that one. Just like no more heroes and Starlink and Kakarot. <laughs> But guys, that's I all. I told that's you Kakarot's happening in the that's first it, two weeks guys. of 23. Enjoy your week. We'll see you guys next time. <laughs> see ya. From Mike and Matt, thank you for listening to the Hall of Fame Game Podcast. Check us out on Instagram at Hall of Fame Pod or email us at thehalloffamepod at gmail.com. Please leave us a review and be sure to tune in next time.